Hello and welcome to the Aesthetic Distance Podcast. This is your host, Eliza Romero, and with me today is my good friend and fellow podcaster, J. Mark Axinto. Hey, J. Mark. Happy to be here for a not-so-happy subject, but always happy to be a guest on your podcast. Usually we talk about fun things like movies and comic books, but not today. Not not today. Today, we have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions that we need to get out. So I went to the ICE protest um, that was in Baltimore uh, last Thursday, and it was great. It was organized by Sanctuary Streets Baltimore and Casa de Maryland. And there were a lot of speakers to Migrante International, which helps Filipino immigrants and undocumented workers. And something I learned from their talk was that one in four Filipinos in the U.S. is undocumented. I actually had no idea. Like, I knew, I've heard my parents talk about them, you know, like, tago na tago. I knew that there was a bunch of them even in my own family. Yeah, I always mentally think about undocumented Filipino, like, not as high, just because so many of us um, are here because our parents joined the U.S. military. Or healthcare, like, we were recruited for, uh, for like, doctors and nurses, you know? Yeah, and also just some color commentary, because it's never come up before. Um, we are Filipino. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I realized that like, it's, I mean, we've talked about it a lot in previous episodes just cause it's such something we care about, but yeah, my parents are Bisaya, uh, meaning they come from Cebu city, Philippines. Yeah. The reason we're doing this podcast is because J Mark and I are mad. We're mad because of all the human rights violations happening at the border. While it seems like everyone is just turning their back on it. We're mad because of the ice raids. We're mad that people are more upset that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said concentration camps than they are about the actual presence of concentration camps. We're mad because Fox News reporters are on TV shrugging and saying they're not our kids. Uh, So 144 thousand people were detained last month and then there's uh, aside from the detainments ice raids have been happening all over the country the goal of this nationwide ice crackdown is to arrest and deport at least 10,000 immigrants like that is that is basically a massive military operation that's targeting cities that have declared themselves to be sanctuary cities for example our city Baltimore San Francisco for example And they said that they'll do whatever they can, even if it means kicking down the doors. Yeah, and also keeping in mind that um, none of the cities so far that I've heard, none of the sanctuary cities, um, have agreed to cooperate with ICE either. Uh, Which, uh, as somebody from Baltimore, makes me feel really good about living in Baltimore, especially because we get such an unfair shake and and rap usually from conservative right-wingers that's another thing entirely (laughs) the sad thing about being like a sanctuary city or at least declaring yourself a sanctuary city and in the case of baltimore this is what i fear is that you know we're not a wealthy city so we we're not like san francisco and new york city so we depend a lot on like federal funding Yes. For our services. And I'm like, how can you really be a sanctuary city if you're depending so much on on funding like that? I think it speaks volumes to the type of people who care about other people, though. It's the people who come from without and with very little. So Baltimore, I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily pragmatic or the wisest decision, but it speaks to our heart. There's a reason why we're called the Charm City. It's like, yeah, we've had a lot happen, but also like... 
know, we take care of each other and we take care of others and we care about that. And I think that speaks volumes in and of itself. The sentiment is there. I'm just wondering how realistic it is like to say it and then for it to actually happen. Not to get too off subject, but we have our own issues. You know, our mayor got a, got like raided by the feds. So that's, that's a whole other thing entirely. Um, I fear it, but at the same time, I think right now I'm in a place where because it hasn't happened right now, while we're in this position of privilege that we're in, uh, especially when compared to undocumented or um, uh, immigrants, then I think it's a responsibility of ours to do whatever we can while we're in this position. This uh, so the concentration camp comments. That's that seems to be <laughs> that's how we started talking last week. It's right after AOC called them concentration camps, and that's when you and I started talking. We're just like, wait. Are people mad that there's concentration camps or are they mad that she said concentration camps? Like our government will never call them that and they're going to avoid the phrase. They're going to call them federal migrant shelters or they're going to call them like temporary shelters for unaccompanied minors or they're going to call them like detainment facilities or something along those lines. But this is an ideological divide. This is people who believe in the narrative of democratic nobility and virtue of the U.S., and then the people who don't. Yes, absolutely. It's people who believe that, like, America is morally superior to everybody else. So concentration camps are things that other people do, but heaven forbid America would never do that. Oh, no, because we have federal migrant shelters, as if they're different. I mean, here's the thing, is that America has been built on this narrative of being the best. America, America first, America's <laughs> better than everyone. Oh, we helped save the world in two world wars. Blah, 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 blah. We haven't lived in a place where people encouraged patriotism. True patriotism is often shot down. It's often oppressed. And it's only celebrated in hindsight. I mean, look at MLK, Malcolm X. Look at Rosa Parks. Look at anyone who attacked the status quo and who deigned to say America is not great and never has been great. Those are the true patriots of our country, and those are the same people who are going to be praised in hindsight. When we get out of this, and it is a when, because this is not a forever thing for our country, I refuse to believe that, because the individuals are at least better than the ones with the loudest voices. When we get out of this, people down the line are going to praise AOC as a hero. The same descendants of the people who, quite frankly, are full of shit right now are going to be like, oh, but AOC, like, she's so great. It's like, you, no, like, you're such a hypocrite. Stop. Or the same people who are like, I had no idea Trump was going to do all this shitty stuff. And you're like, you did. You just didn't care because you thought it wasn't going to impact you. Hillary said he was going to do it. Yeah. He literally said he was going to make it happen. And a lot of other people, like um, Sarah Kenzier, said that he was going to do it, and they were written off as, like, uh, just sociopaths who were ranting, you know? Yeah, or, no, not sociopaths who were ranting, socialists who were ranting, because that's their favorite word to throw around. We're going to get a lot of tangents, everyone. This is a very ranty episode. Whenever anyone complains about socialism going wrong, they literally describe capitalism. And it's like, the inability to recognize the sheer irony of that is astounding to me. They're like, yeah, but you know, if you allow things to happen, eventually one person's gonna take control and monopolize the whole thing. It's like, you just described capitalism. Shut the hell up. But that's 
Oh my god. Okay. Uh, we're. <laughs> No, I get it. Whenever you argue with somebody ideologically on like why they are Republican or why they support Trump, they bring up these very weak arguments in support of like, oh, small government and like free markets. Yes. But then it doesn't explain their love of like what is basically colonialism yep. <laughs> and imperialism. Yep. And it doesn't it doesn't explain their need to like I expand the military and increase military budget. At the end of the day it's because it's not directly impacting them. It's because it's something they feel like they are able to be free from. It's something traditionally uh traditionally male, traditionally white, traditionally straight, mm -hmm. sometimes a wombo combo of all three. So long as you're somebody who has lived with privilege your whole life, you view equality as oppression. And mm -hmm. that sucks, but it is a reality of the people who think that way. And so when you tell people, like, there are kids being in concentration camps, they're not going to care unless the kids being in concentration camps are white kids. Furthermore, they're not going to care unless they're Christian white kids, unless they're conservative Christian white kids. It has to be that very specific niche because they're always going to find ways to talk themselves out of it. Look at what happened with those uh, – God, there have been so many shootings I don't even remember. Um, the teenagers who survived the shootings that became huge anti-gun advocates. Like Parkland. Heart, thank you. It's been so – that sucks that there's been so many. I can't even remember which one I'm talking about. But the fact that, you know, these are little white kids, but – or some of them, the most vocal, I would say, boy, he's a, he's a white kid, and he's 19 now, and he's received so many death threats because he's saying... David Hogg? Yeah. And, like, I have my own opinions when it comes to gun control laws, mainly because um, they're only ever implemented to oppress people of color. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of guns. I strongly believe our country can do without them because they've never once been proven to be useful for what people claim they're useful for. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I get how they're only really... I mean, uh, let's look at it this way. When the Black Panthers were... Uh, my cat's mad, too. Um, when, when the Black Panthers were speaking... Uh, about protection and were patrolling the streets very legally with guns. That is when the most aggressive gun control laws were implemented. But recently, this past this past year, uh, the group of white men took like a government building hostage or did something or other with it. And not only were gun control laws not implemented, they were hailed as heroes for doing like literally the same thing the Black Panthers did, but for something that's arguably more immoral than that. There's, I'm ranting a lot. There's so much that I'm trying to say, but the point is that entitled people will never see the light, um, and unless they have to go through the same suffering, like literally beat by beat, the same suffering. And the thing is, they're aware. Some part of them is aware. It's why white people are afraid of becoming the new minority because some part of them, deep down in their genetic code, is aware that if that happens. They are afraid they'll be treated the exact same way they've been treating oppressed people for generations. Say it again. So they're afraid that not kidding. Here's the thing: is that like I don't I agree that we should not call them concentration camps. We should call them Trump camps. I disagree with calling them Trump camps because I'm trying to put across that concentration camps have existed long before Trump, and it's time that the U.S. finally come to terms with that and admit it. I absolutely agree with that. I think we could use two terms. It's kind of the same thing with the Affordable Health Care Act. It was demonized because it was called Obamacare, like by the masses. 
I believe that in calling it Trump Camps and having people take ownership of that, because the minute it has his name attached to it, Trump is going to proudly proclaim that they are Trump Camps. That's the kind of guy he is. He just wants his name attached to things. He doesn't care if they're shit. That's why most of his buildings have fallen apart, or most of business have fallen apart, but it has his name attached to it, so he still gets that street cred for being a failed businessman. Call them Trump camps. Get his bases to start calling them Trump camps. And then reveal the reality of what's happening there. He now immort like forever has his name attached to that. What I'm afraid of by doing that is by calling them Trump camps, his base will support anything he does. I mean, like calling it Obamacare didn't it didn't it didn't make Obama supporters any less supportive of universal health care, right? So I feel like calling them Trump camps and then showing the reality of what's going on inside, I feel like it would actually make Trump supporters happy because these are the people that they want to punish. These are the, like, this is the reason, you know, immigration was like a, a priority, a high priority for a lot of voters, for a lot of people that voted for Trump. And so he's finally punishing the people that they want to punish. Like, I feel like it'd be like a sense of pride. And I also feel like it might be the step we need to radicalize the people much braver than I am. Because, I mean, look at what's happening internationally. There are people actually physically taking action and actually doing things and confronting their governments. And yeah, it's violent and it's awful and it's terrifying, but it's working you know even martin luther king jr whenever people like to quote him and be like oh he wouldn't like riots it's like no he literally said riots are the angry voices of the unheard or i'm paraphrasing a little bit but like he also said the middle was the problem because those yeah. are the complacent those yeah. are the people who don't those are the the, uh, the people who take no action yeah and honestly even now those are the people that frustrate me most still at least an active, avid Trump supporter, like, I know where that person stands. And, like, I can have a dialogue with them more reasonably than the middle ground people. Um, I made a post on my Facebook the other day where I was like, look, if you're going to act like a Nazi, I'm going to call you a Nazi. And they're like, I don't think that's right. Like, we shouldn't call people Nazis. It's like, no, they're literally acting like Nazis. I'm not going to feel bad for that because that is, I mean, and then my uh, one of my friends, uh, he pointed out something really both horrifying and hilarious he was like they're actually worse than nazis because they like were taught history and they went wow that sounds neat i want to try some of that please so it's like they have the benefit of hindsight and said eh. see that's where i think that we should call them concentration camps because i think that universally americans are very very much against concentration camps on both sides because Concentration camps was something that Nazis did, German Nazis did, not Americans. So we're all against them, even the people on the far right. Even though we've done concentration camps. Like, exactly. But literally during World War II, we were doing the exact same thing the Germans were doing, but with less pretense. So people don't want to accept the fact that they're supporting concentration camps. So to make themselves feel better... They deny that it's an actual concentration camp, period. This is why I'm very much for the term concentration camp rather than Trump camp. The catch-22 is if we normalize the term concentration camp, are they going to somehow justify concentration camps? Are they going to suddenly say... Yeah, they already are. But maybe, maybe what we are are concentration camps, but those were extermination camps, death camps. Maybe yeah. that's what they'll start doing. They'll normalize concentration camps and then find... Um, a worse sounding term for what was used in Nazi Germany. Yeah, 
Honestly, that's precisely what will happen. It is the American way to minimize anything bad that it does, especially if it paints white people in an unflattering light. Yes. For example, like Jim Crow is apartheid, but no, we can't call it that because apartheid is something that Americans are all against. It's something foreigners yep. like South Africans do. We had Jim Crow. Like somehow that's better yeah. or lone wolf mass murderer is the same as a terrorist. Yep. But we all know that you have to be Muslim to get the designation terrorist. Mm -hmm. White people who grow weed, they get called entrepreneurs. Uh. And, we, and, when, and when white people grow weed, they call it cannabis, right? Yep. Everyone else gets called a drug dealer or a thug. It's like KRS one said, overseer, 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 officer, officer from overseer. Sorry, I'm not going to start rapping KRS-One. I can't do that justice. It, it's, it's about language and it's about control. And the same people who are complaining like you shouldn't call it concentration camps are the same people who probably freely think they should be allowed to say the N-word. They know that language has power, but that law is not applicable to them. Something that's been really bothering me is the Nazi camps are not the only concentration camps in history. Like, yes. You said earlier, for example, we had Japanese internment camps in World War II. Yeah. Basically, concentration camps. George um, Takei was in one. In the 1800s, the U.S. rounded up the Cherokee and placed them into what were called immigration depots. But basically, concentration camps. Also, how effed up is it that they were put in immigration depots? They're from here. Like, what? <laughs> During the Philippine-American War, the Americans set up concentration camps for Filipino people in Batangas. Yep. And then during and after the Civil War, the U.S. set up concentration camps to corral the freed slaves. Yep. So I realized that like the last three that I mentioned aren't as well known, but the Japanese internment camps, they are not obscure. Like everyone knows about them. Mm -hmm. Or... or um. Okay, here's another one that everyone knows about, Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib prison. We all saw what happened there. We all saw the videos. And we all agreed that that was terrible, collectively. Like, it was the first time I think Americans realized that that was, like, a crappy thing to do. Even though we asked for it. We wanted it. And I'm using we because, as pissed off as I am, I'm still an American, and I still have to take responsibility for shit my country's done. Which, oh, if only if white people did that. Speaking of white people, that's my problem with everyone getting so fired up over the term concentration camps. Because it's like, why is it that we conjure up the image of concentration camps? It is always, it, it's only one kind of concentration camp that's, uh, that people imagine. It's the Nazi ones. And it's like, the only time people will ever get mad or they'll listen. And I think it's because the Jews were white passing and European. Yes. They don't care about the Japanese. They don't care about the freed slaves. They don't care about the Filipinos in Batangas. They don't care about the natives. Yes. That's another reason why it's so explosive. I think it's because we're finally getting like a collective mass of people that are finally waking up and more and more of them, particularly like millennials and younger, are challenging America's role in global politics, you know, in history. They're finally saying that, you know what, America ain't shit never has been. Yep. Like, from its start, it was always about building an empire. Yes, it was founded on a revolution against an imperialist, but really, they weren't fighting imperialism. They came over here because they were like, well, shit, we're not getting any part of this, this imperialistic empire, 
you know, from England. We're not getting any piece of the pie. Let's go to this new country and we can just build up our own empire so we can finally just, you know, we can make our own pie. Yes. That's yes. all they wanted. They just wanted it for themselves. The reason why immigration is being hit so hard is because pe- immigrants not being able to vote means that that's less people who would vote against the current regime. It's voter suppression. It's clever ways to control things. One state, I don't remember which one, just made it illegal for you to vote without an ID, which effectively shut out everyone uh, from Native American compounds mm-hmm. because they don't have what is considered a legitimate identification card. They had their voter rights legally taken away. Because our country may be like built on democracy, but that democracy can very easily be played and used to suppress um, other people under the guise of law. And there are these groups of people who also believe that law, lawfulness is equal to morality. These people who say, well, like they shouldn't have done that because it's against the law. And I was like, great, like your ancestors shouldn't have freed slaves because it was against the law. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's just not... What are you talking about? (laughs) Right. It's the hardcore defenders of the status quo. All these same people would gladly combat the government if the government ever turned against them. It's the same people who are, like, valiantly pro-gun. You know that there's a belief that the people who are being held in these detention centers or that are being deported are criminals, right? Yeah. The truth is that a lot of these crimes, I'm using air quotes, are really small offenses. I'm talking like traffic violations. But it's the language being used. Not only that, but like a lot of people being locked up are asylum seekers who are legally allowed to be here. Like if we want to make legality the narrative, these are people who are escaping persecution that America helped foster and cause in South America. Let's talk about who these people are and why are they coming here? Most of the people that are in these facilities, they're not illegal immigrants, and I'm still using air quotes for illegal because I don't like that word, but if you're seeking (laughs) undocumented, right? If you are seeking asylum, yeah, you're right. You have a legal right to a hearing. There are refugees. There are people who are fleeing violence and persecution from their own countries. Like, they're, they're mostly coming from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And if you know anything about these countries, they, these are countries that are being ravaged by gang violence, poverty, and corruption. A lot of these people are some of the first forced migrations that are due to climate change. Like, that is not talked about enough. This is the first wave of climate refugees. And we have a regime right now who's belie- who still believes that climate change is fake news. Also, can we take a moment to point out the, the sheer irony of, and the power of that? It, it really is. It's 1984. It's, it's, re, it's rewriting the it's narrative. It's caused by rich countries. Yeah. We caused climate change. We also caused like, all the gang violence and the poverty and yes. the political corruption that they're running away from. Yeah, because America is very shoot-first, ask-questions-later, and that's not just within our country's borders. It's also within our policies. We go to these countries, we destabilize regimes, but we have no contingencies for what's next. We're just like, hey, we killed the bad guy. It's like, okay, you killed the bad guy, but there's more to it than rah rah murder murder like we show up in their countries we go in there we steal their land we steal their most educated people Mm -hmm. we steal their natural resources and then we leave and when we leave 
We leave our guns and we leave our militias and we leave our puppet dictators. They act to keep the people down so that they can continue to benefit us only. It's it's all there to paint this picture of like, oh, we're the great war heroes, but the aftermath is never spoken of. What Trump wants to do is he wants to reduce the criteria for asylum. So they want to exclude all the issues that make it asylum that you're if you are trying to run away from gang violence or domestic violence or poverty or political corruption you no longer qualify most of it's been struck down in federal courts for now but we all know that if it's an argument it means that there are still people pushing heavily for it and so the possibility of it passing is still pretty high here's the thing that's most frustrating um i'm gonna bring it back to that comment you said about we take all their smart people we have so many dumb-ass people living in our country. And I'm not just talking dumb-ass policies. I'm just talking about, like, uneducated and proud-to-be uneducated people who are allowed to live in our country because they were born here. But we have these balls-to-the-wall, batshit-crazy criteria for other people to live in our country. Like, damn, I'm not even sure I deserve to live in our country sometimes. <laughs> and you're telling me that these people have to work hard and strive so hard. And the thing is, it's the... It's the same mentality that came with um, the end of segregation, which is to go to another subject entirely. Segregation, uh, the end of segregation had, um, was a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, it was like great, but it also took all these highly educated, highly qualified people from their communities. It's what led to extreme gentrification. And it's the same thing with these immigration policies of like, oh, they have to be smart, they have to be capable to live in our country. <laughs> like, you're not even smart and capable to live in our country. Shut the fuck up. Like, you've had every failed business and destabilized multiple areas because you didn't pay people. What the hell are you talking about? America doesn't spread freedom and democracy. That's such a myth. We don't liberate anyone. No. We rob and we colonize. And like... When people are like, oh, but we helped during the first world, during the first and second world war. It's like, we, we selfishly went in there because we felt like it. <laughs> like, everyone brings back Pearl Harbor as if, like, the nuclear bombs weren't a much worse devastation. And not only did we drop one, we dropped two. America introduced us to having to have cold wars. And every time somebody, like, gets their knickers in a bunch, we're wondering, like, is this the end? I don't know. It might be like <laughs> we are the country that passed. We are the country that made it illegal for anyone to use nuclear arms, and ironically, we are the only country that has ever used nuclear arms. We're also the country that has the most nuclear arms. I don't know why we keep making these. Why you only need like hold on? How many? Co there are seven continents. Let's take out Antarctica. You only need, like, six. <laughs> like, why do we need more of these? What are, you, what are you planning to accomplish by having more of that? Everyone, I would like to formally apologize for all these thoughts and feelings coming <laughs> out. We understand that this was meant to be, like, very focused and on concentration camps, but there's a lot of thoughts and feelings and anger and things. Trump kicked off his formal political career by uh, one of his most famous speeches when he was campaigning was he characterized 
Latino immigrants as rapists and drug dealers and criminals. And he kept talking about like MS-13. Mm-hmm. And basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to conjure up these images of like strong, scary, brown, young men. And there's talk of animals and monsters. And suddenly it just makes everything justifiable. Yeah, and, and it worked. And also the dehumanization of that language. His supporters, they openly talk about wanting to shoot anyone that crosses the border. It's because they, they've they been reduced to being less than people. It's, it's the same logic that's used in war. Except in war, and I'm not saying this is valid at all, and I'm very much anti-war. In war, it's the logic that soldiers have to use to do what they have to do. It's not seeing the enemy as a person, because if you see them as a person, you can't kill them. It's the same thing of like, hey, Timmy, don't don't name that dog, because if you do, we'll have to keep it. Like, it's it's the same thing. Like, dogs are tr- are viewed as more human than humans. I think that these facilities, they're operating the same way that, like, Guantanamo Bay operated, which is how they got away with so much. So I think there's one question that we really need to be certain of and we really need to ask we once long ago said how is it that nobody took direct action against the nazis people don't believe it until they have like absolute concrete proof that something terrible has happened so i'm gonna say that in the case of oscar and valeria you know the father and daughter that were found on the riverside last week most people see that as like an isolated case oh it's even worse than that people are saying it's doctored imagery by the by liberals when they finally get the proof to really believe it was too late there is no way to continue this podcast without talking about Stephen Miller and his immigration policies. This is what needs to be said. These immigration policies are about limiting the amount of brown people entering the U.S. There are tons of undocumented Eastern Europeans and Russians in the U.S., especially near where I live. Ooh, let's go, let's go get ice knocking on their doors. Nobody is talking about them. And it's because it's like Melania. They are the acceptable immigrants. They remind white Americans of their grandmothers. Or yep. they remind people of a different time when America was just mostly white. So to Stephen Miller and Trump supporters... Which America was never mostly white. To Stephen Miller and Trump supporters, there are too goddamn many brown people in the country and they have to do something about it. Stephen Miller has ties to a bunch of anti-immigrant hate groups. He was like best friends with Richard Spencer at Duke, you know? Yep. He set out to make an immigration policy that would please other white supremacists, and then Trump got all the praise from his base. No surprise. Mm -hmm. And of course, he loved it and ate it up. And he keeps a low profile. You don't see him as often as you do other politicians. He keeps a low profile because... Trust me, he wants everyone to ignore him. Yep, because he's doing all the bullshit. It is all about trying to uphold the white majority. You know, like, the abortion ban was very tied to forcing white women to give birth to their kids because the white birth rate in this country is not anywhere close to the white death rate. There is a replacement theory. But back to Stephen Miller, like these immigration policies, they are his life work. When he was a teenager in Santa Monica, he wrote op-eds comparing his liberal classmates to terrorists and said that Osama bin Laden would fit right in at his high school. And then when he was at Duke, he coordinated uh, an Islamo-fascism awareness week. He worked with his best friend classmate, you know, Richard Spencer, and they were trying to create newspaper ads calling for the 
the ethnic cleansing of non-white people in the U.S. I don't think that those ads ever became like a thing, but just know that he tried. That's who we're dealing with. By the way, Richard Spencer has said that he mentored Stephen Miller at Duke. He was the main architect of the Muslim ban, which failed, but basically he's like an 8chan or a stormfront troll who is now a senior advisor at the White House. This is why it is terrible to ignore people like this. Like I hear it all the time. Whenever you hear about like Proud Boys or like the alt-right or like these Reddit freaks, everyone is like, oh, just ignore them. Don't even give them a platform. Stephen Miller is what happens when you ignore them, when you just write them off as crazy. They show up and play is like senior advisor to the White House. They show up as like the main architect of nationwide immigration policies. Yes. So you know it's bad when actual neo-Nazis see him as advancing their cause. Like this is a guy who has made his ideology about non-whites really, really clear. Yes. One of the reasons people know who he is off the top of their heads is because back when Trump was campaigning, he would warm up the audience during rallies. Like he's the guy who started the whole Hal Trump salutes. Which, by the way, that alone should speak volumes for anyone who is willing to blatantly ignore. <laughs> they're literally saying hail and doing the Nazi salute. But no, they're not Nazis. You're just using that phrase really liberally. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, what are you talking about? Get your shit together. How can you? <laughs> what? It's just a matter of time before they try to figure out a way to get rid of all of us. Like, this is why legal residents and family members of active duty service members are getting deportation notices. I, I feel like people have forgotten about this, but it wasn't that long ago that Donald Trump publicly said that he wanted more people from European countries like Norway to move here, while at the same time saying, why are we having all these people from shithole countries coming here? That's a direct quote. Yep. And he was referring to Haiti, El Salvador, and countries in Africa. And it's like, it's not hard to figure out what he's really saying. But because he's literally saying it, but people don't give a shit. Not only do, but here's the thing, like, not only do people not care, but it doesn't matter if you show them a direct quote. It doesn't matter if there's a video of Trump saying it, like, blatantly. It, it doesn't matter because they don't care. They're, they're going to say whatever they can to validate their own belief system. And they're going to say, oh, you're lying. Oh, you doctored that. Oh, that's made up. Because it's, it's never been about them caring about other people. These are the people who are going to scream fake news at everything, right? Yeah. To them, it's never been about helping other people. It's always been about helping themselves. It's always been about promoting their agenda. And so long as white people are safe, then they're not going to give a shit. It's not even that they don't give a shit, they like it. Like for all, so have you ever argued with someone who like actively supports like Trump's policies and they say all kinds of things like, I'm not a racist, I am not at all a racist, I don't have a racist bone in my body. But then they make every single argument out there that makes it sound like they really wish that these policies were a little bit more outwardly racist. Yeah, absolutely. It happens to me on Twitter constantly. I get the DMs and I'm just like, wow, for someone who says like, I don't have a race bone in my body, you really wish that everyone else did, don't you? Here's my biggest fear about this coming election cycle. And it's actually a bigger fear than Trump winning. Joe Biden? No, because Trump has openly said, if he loses the election, he will not sit down from office. There is going to be a violent, violent, and people are going to die violent consequences if and when Trump is elected out of office. Like, 
there there is because he has radicalized so many people to his cause and to the cause of white nationalism and the difference between normal decent people like you like myself and people like them is that they do put their money where their mouth is they yeah, do they'll vote they mobilize and they vote they, they show mobilize, up on election they day. mobilize they vote they attack i my biggest fear is because on our end none of us have actively done anything the people in power i'm not talking about the normal people but the governing officials the liberals the people who actually have the power to take action have not taken action the problem with the democratic party is that they're all a bunch of fucking cowards yes they're coward they're not just cowards though maybe it's because they're not really that progressive or leftist they're not. maybe what we we have two republican parties one is moderate one's insane yeah no they're not progressive that's why so many black people voted for trump they voted for Trump because they saw, like, for a long time that the Democratic Party, well, not just that, but the Democratic Party hadn't done anything for them. Even when Obama won, nothing was done for, like, not enough was done for the black community. In hindsight, I am very, very much not an Obama fan. Yeah, well, that, and that's the thing, is that, like, they saw one of their own win, and they still, like, suffered through a shit ton. And granted, it wasn't even Obama's fault for a lot of it. I mean, we had a fully Republican House and Senate, so it's hard for him to get anything passed. But because all of that happened, I mean, you can almost picture this entire situation as the most long-term con ever. If you want to talk conspiracy theories, what if the whole point was for Obama to win, have eight years, but with a fully controlled Republican Senate and House, because normal everyday people don't actually understand how politics work, and so when Obama doesn't get any, any of his promises set through, they start turning towards people like Trump. A lot of the hardline anti-immigration organizations are really unhappy with Trump's immigration policies because they don't think that he's going far enough. The Center for Immigration Studies, for example, that's like a group that is very well known to be very anti-immigration. They feel this way. This is why. In an article that they wrote, uh, the new policies don't reduce the number of immigrants that are already here. It just kind of keeps them at bay. So we'll still get the same number of immigrants that we usually get. <laughs> what they're saying is you're not, but you're not solving the problem. We have to get rid of all these brown people in America. I, you actually went in an entirely different direction than I was expecting. My thing is this. There are a lot of big corporate CEOs who are like, what the hell, Trump, you can't do this. These are the same people who want immigrants to stay because they can pay them way below a living wage. This is supposed to be our cheap labor. If we don't underpay these brown people, we can't underpay Americans. Americans expect a living wage. I shit you not, I got in a conversation with someone where uh, I, told, I, I literally told this individual, I was like, look, Slavery is legal in America still, and it's called the prison system. Prisoners are used as free labor, basically free labor. And he was like, well, if corporations are doing that, that's smart, because, like, they're saving money. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking... Like, I literally was so shook, and I was like, I can't... How are you real right now? How, how are you a man of color? But he's also the person who has been granted certain privileges in their life. He's bought into the, the idea of American imperialism because white people have always been kind to him. He is the equivalent of Filipino people who say things like, well, I did it right. I came to this country legally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. But like, 
the fact is that we're all victims of this white patriarchy. We're, we're all people who are victimized by it, but because we have been taught to look at the people below us instead of the ones above us causing the issues, it's perpetuated. My livelihood is being threatened because this McDonald's worker needs a living wage. What about the CEO making literally billions of dollars on your work? And then also, like, all the people who voted for Trump who were very anti-raising taxes on the wealthy, believed it applied to them. Like, bruh, you make six figures. We're talking about millionaires and billionaires. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, you're not relevant. <laughs> there is this false belief that I keep hearing all the time. Whenever I have this argument, it's stuff like, well, if, uh, you know, if America is so bad, why do so many people want to come here, you know? Oh my it god. Is the most naive. Oh, it's also <laughs> like if you hate America so much, why don't you move? Like, what the fuck are you If you hate your house so much, why are you still living in it, you shitbag? Like, what are you talking about? Somebody else said it, and I can't remember who the exact quote came from, but we're here because the US was there. That is the only way to answer that question. I really wish I could remember who said that originally. The longer these camps stay open, the more they'll find legitimate reasons to put even more people in them. Like first it was undocumented people with criminal records, okay? Then it became asylum seekers, so people who actually have rights. And a lot of those asylum seekers are unaccompanied minors. So we're, I'm seeing reports that Border Patrol is arresting U.S. citizens now too. You know, I think the same thing is going to be true of the ICE raids. I said that earlier, but I'm going to say it again. In Howard County, Maryland last week in... um. Longreach, I don't know if you know where that is, that's a community with a large immigrant population. And ICE agents were seen approaching people at the gas station, yep. at shopping centers and public libraries, and then just hauling people away in vans. So, like, what's next? Are, are we going to start targeting, like, non-English speakers? I think one of the most important things that we need to be mindful of is rights education. And I'm actually thinking that down the line, perhaps the near future, you and I really need to like read up and do our research and then effectively educate people on their rights when dealing with ICE. Because there are ways to keep yourself from being detained, especially if they just come up to you, if they come to your home. There are clear steps you can take to protect yourself. Um, some of which I know is definitely don't open the door. Um, request that they show you documentation and a warrant Slide either through sliding it through a mail slot under the door, showing it at a window. But you do not. If have you don't to let speak English, can you demand a translator before you speak? I do not recall. I'll have to look into it. But the biggest one is also document everything. Take pictures. Take video. Uh, take badge numbers. One thing that I would recommend exploring for anyone who finds themselves in the situation: live streaming. Um, some people would record and be like, I can upload this later, but the fact of the matter is, if they get a hold of your phone, there's not going to be a later. But if you live stream your interactions, then the world is going to see it live as it's happening. And then also, it will be automatically uploaded to the internet, like, saved after you're done live streaming. So, those are the kinds of actions I would recommend anyone if they find themselves in an unsafe situation. And, you know, and, like, you know, it's a good lesson for life, too. I got, I got, like, in a really bad fender bender once, and I immediately stepped out and, like, took a photo of the car that hit me, like, really quickly. And the person who looked like they were going to drive away stopped and, like, talked to me. 
Because I was like, that's right, because I got proof. <laughs> I know who you are. You can try to run, but I got you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, good lesson for life, too. I don't, I don't believe there should be an issue with documentation for safety, like, in any scenario. Personally, <laughs> the fact that, like, people are like, oh, I don't want to be documented, like, doing my job as a cop. It's like, why? What are you doing? I think it's going to take significant pushback. Yes. When Trump was first elected, my wife and I seriously considered moving out of the country for our safety. And a friend of mine was like, oh my god, you need to fight. This friend was a white man. And I was like, you literally don't understand that the concerns, you, you will never face the same concerns from this regime that my my wife will face as a woman, uh, as an LGBTQ woman, that I'll face as an LGBTQ man of color. Like, these are very real things that we have to consider. And frankly, like, safety has to come first. And the people who are most responsible and most able and should take action are, quite frankly, straight white men in power. Do something about it. Help people. Take action. Stop expecting to downtrod and to defend themselves when you're the ones who actually have the power to invoke change. That wraps up another episode of the Aesthetic Distance Podcast. Thank you to J. Mark Accinto for coming on the show to be angry with me today and to talk about what is really going on. First off, thank you, Eliza, uh, for coming on here. I know you and I usually do like those really cute pieces. Um, what do they call them in new, like old day news, like fluff articles? We usually do fluff podcasts, but I always hear Pretty you much, doing. Yeah. I always hear you doing all these awesome things. It's like, ooh, I want to get in on that. I have a lot of things to say. It's been helpful to have these conversations, and they're conversations that for the preservation of my mental health I can't have all the time but that being said I, I find other ways to support and fight uh, one of which is uh, as Eliza said at the beginning of the show I am a fellow podcaster uh, I run a storytelling podcast uh, with my co-founder uh, Mitch Monin and some of our friends it's called tabletop for the end of the world and it is about four people who are facing a post-apocalyptic America ruined by capitalism uh, and finding comfort by playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it's basically today, uh, but with more future tech in it, if I'm being perfectly honest, or retrofuturism in it. We have a live show coming up. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this on July 2nd, our live show is coming up next Friday, uh, July, I want to say it's the 12th. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, next Friday, July 12th at 10.15 p.m. at Blurred Con in uh, the Hyattsville Regency Center in Crystal City, Virginia. Um, we're going to use names from the audience, and anyone whose name we use is going to get some free merch from us. Uh, one big thing I, I really want to plug, uh, because it has to do with using your privilege to be to be helpful. Uh, on this podcast, I specifically decided I wanted to play a character much unlike me um, in terms of identity. They are gender fluid, uh, they are pansexual, uh, and they are beautiful little baby and I love them um, and they've become this really wonderful symbol for our gender fluid non-binary and trans listeners and so for pride month we released the pride t-shirt featuring this character their name is twilight and uh, we donated half the proceeds to the national center for transgender equality we raised almost three hundred dollars but the thing is pride lasts more than just a month and identity lasts more than a month so we're actually going to extend sales through the july and quite possibly indefinitely so please check us out uh, www.tfucast.com you can find us on any social media at tfucast 
I want to believe that we're destined for more than this. And it's true that history repeats itself, and we often associate that with the negative, but history also repeats itself in the positive. So things may not seem bright right now, but we'll get there. Can we say a quick congratulations to Lil Nas X? Oh my god! Yo, what he said was the fuck. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Lil Nas X, the guy who did the song Old Town Road, and then Billy Ray Cyrus hopped on the track and was like, yo, this is country. F you. I'm cooler than my daughter. Um, but <laughs> he, ju- he just openly came out as gay on the very last day of Pride Month, uh, mm-hmm. which is doubly hilarious, only because... A lot of people were like, oh my god, I'm listening to a gay artist all the time. But also, he was like, I thought I was obvious. Listen to my song more closely. Like, I, I'm not trying to hide it. A gay black man has topped the country charts. How about that for has the it, last day of Pride Month? Hell yeah, huh? hasn't happened. Yeah, that's the best part. A gay black man topping the charts during this regime is equivalent to that black man uh, beating the Nazis, uh, beating the Germans in the Olympics. Please subscribe to the Aesthetic Distance Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will be back with another great episode next week.